You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric, and this is episode eight. So I've heard the story before, I think. Uh, I've watched like a little mini docuseries or some document. I don't know. We watched something on it that you showed me, but I don't know it in depth, and I'm pretty interested in it. So yeah, uh, a lot of these cases, I feel like, you know, I'm at work listening to podcasts. And I come home, I'm like, oh my God, I just heard the craziest story. And then I watch videos on it, and then, you know, you kind of get a gist of what I was listening to or whatever. Yeah. I hear all the real horrible things that I always want to hear every day. Um, yes, you do. Why don't you get on with it and hear what we have? All right. So this is the story of Tyler Hadley and the murder of his parents, Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. At the time of the murders, Tyler was only 17 years old. His father was 54 and his mother was 47. And this took place in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Tyler was born to parents, Blake and Mary Jo, on December 16th, 1993. He also had an older brother, Ryan. He was six years older than Tyler. Mary Jo had worked for 24 years as a teacher at St. Lucie County Elementary School, while Blake was a watch engineer for the past 30 years. Tyler was born premature, weighing only three pounds and 10 ounces, so he spent the first month of his life in an incubator. Growing up, Tyler's family members described him as, quote, loving but withdrawn, keeping to himself, suffering from anxiety and depression, low self-esteem, and bulimia. He even attempted to play sports, take up hobbies and projects, but always quit, saying that he felt he wasn't good enough and he was always a step below everyone else. By the age of 10, he was being treated by professionals prescribing him various medications for acne, such as Accutane, uh, medication for depression, growth hormones, and a thyroid condition. I read that the growth hormones he was taking had to do with this thyroid condition because I was like 17 years old, growth hormones. I don't know. That was weird to me. Between the age of 11, Tyler was getting more into trouble. He was defacing bathrooms with Sharpies, breaking windows, as well as objects in people's yards. He would steal Christmas lights and set small fires. He even set an abandoned couch on fire, and that set a wildlife preserve on fire. Damn. Seriously. Little pyro. Seriously. By the age of 12, he was drinking. Uh, At 15, he would ditch school. He started smoking weed. And by 16 years old, he was taking pills such as Xanax, Percocet, Oxys, Ecstasy, and he was taking DMT. His brother Ryan stated that he would sneak out of the house and that he would steal his parents' debit cards and he would take his father's truck all the time without him knowing. Even a co-worker of Mary Jo's asked her if she was worried about her son hurting her, but she said no and that she was more worried about his depression and suicidal thoughts as she had suffered from a mental illness herself. Tyler attended Port St. High School, where not a lot of people knew of him or like, you know, he was just more on the quiet side. So he didn't have a lot of friends. But uh, I also heard that in class he was very disruptive and he would get in trouble a lot. Someone even stated that he started mooing loudly like a cow in the middle of class. One of those kids. His best friend was Michael Mandel, who he'd grown up grown up with. 
uh, just a block away from him. And he was just, he said that he was walking around looking for friends and that he met Tyler and slowly they became best friends. So I believe it was around the 15th of July of 2011 that Tyler had been grounded for coming home drunk. So his parents took his phone away from him and, you know, that made him extremely angry. He even told his best friend, Michael, that he was going to kill his parents. But of course, you know, he didn't believe Tyler at all. Also, a little side note, weeks prior to the murders, Tyler did tell a friend, Marky Phillips, that he was actually going to kill his parents and that he wanted to have a huge party afterwards as it has, quote, never been done before. He was also telling everyone, everyone around school that he was going to throw a party at his house because his parents were going out of town, but no one believed him. On July 16th, 2011, Tyler had finally come to the decision that after you know, thinking about it for a while, that he was going to kill his parents, and that was that day. So since he didn't have a cell phone to contact friends or anything, he actually had a conversation with a friend over Facebook. His name was Antonio Ramirez, and this was around 11.30 that morning on July 16th. And this is how that conversation went between Tyler and Antonio. Tyler says, sup, brah, Antonio. Chillin', what you doing tonight, Tyler? Trying to have a party at my crib, Antonio. Your parents ain't home, Tyler. Nope. Well, they're leaving soon. Then around 1.15 that same day, Tyler posted on Facebook, quote, having a party tonight, dot, 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 maybe. Several people did reply, including one person that wrote, quote, what's good with that? Tyler replies, quote, I don't know, man, I'm working on it. He also had another conversation with someone else weeks prior on Facebook, uh, right after his cell phone had been taken away uh, with some girl, stating, he says, uh, uh, quote, LOL, yep, she's a cunt for show. I might kill her. The friend says, quote, oh my God, no, jail. I mean, prison, LOL. Tyler writes back, quote, oh well, with like the old school less than with a three, like a little heart symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh well, with a little heart. Meanwhile, Mary Jo and Blake Hadley, they were out at the farmer's market as Tyler grabbed a hammer from the garage. And when his parents returned home, he took their cell phones and he hid them so they couldn't call for help. And then he locked their black lab in a closet. It was shortly after 5 p.m. on July 16th, 2011, when Tyler took three ecstasy pills. It was stated later that he did this because he didn't want to be sober while he killed his parents. Um, So he found his mother on the computer and he stood behind her for five minutes. And then he just started swinging the hammer on her on the back of her head. As Tyler was killing his own mother, she screamed out, why? His father, Blake, hearing the commotion, ran into the room and asked the same thing. Why? Tyler responded back, quote, why the fuck not? Then Tyler beat his father to death. Mind you guys, his father was over six feet tall and he weighed over 300 pounds. It's so crazy that this teenager can just, you know, murder both of his parents. And this is a big dude, you know. So after Tyler had brutally murdered his own parents, he drugged them into their bedroom. He placed them side by side and he left the hammer in between them. He started to clean up for three hours, but there was just way more blood than he thought. So he just kind of half-assed it and he started throwing every piece of furniture in his parents' room and on top of their bodies, like on top of the bed, just everywhere in the room, even on top of his parents. So when I say every piece of furniture, I mean Everything that was around that house was thrown into his parents, onto his parents and into their room, such as uh, dining room chairs, a coffee table, clothing, picture frames, mirrors, bedding, towels, miscellaneous papers from inside their bedroom, broken dishes, 
shattered glass, bloody towels, pillowcases, books, a mop, wipes, and a canister of coffee grounds. He then locked the master bedroom door and went to the bathroom. He looked at his reflection and just started laughing at himself. I'm, I don't know if this had to do just like what he just did and all the drugs that he was on. So at around 8.15 p.m. that night, he had posted on Facebook, quote, party at my house, hit me up. Someone said back, quote, what if your parents come home? And Tyler responded, quote, they won't trust me. After the murders, Tyler took his parents' ATM card and withdrew money from, for the party. And then he stopped to pick up a few friends. At 11 p.m. that night, there was about 60 kids in attendance, which a lot of the kids didn't even know Tyler. They just went because it was a party. And that was actually uh, something that Michael had stated, his best friend. That was like, a lot of these kids didn't even know him. They just showed up because it was a party. Uh, People from the party stated that Tyler was very anxious and he was worried about people smoking inside the house. He was getting paranoid that the cops were going to come over like a noise complaint and everything. So he was like, everyone go inside. You can smoke in there. I don't care you know, totally changed his mind. And then people started like destroying his house and rubbing, you know, their cigarettes out on the walls and the carpets. And a lot of kids were playing beer pong. Some kids were even smashing bottles on the floor. At one point when they were playing beer pong, the ball fell on in like on the floor and it rolled into like a brown reddish liquid. And some kid just picked it up and he just wiped it on his shirt. And uh, <laughs> it's so disgusting because, you know, Wow. Pretty sure we know what that brown reddish liquid is, right? So, yeah, pretty much just no one gave a fuck about the house, and they just destroyed it. The computer where Mary Jo was killed, or, you know, when Tyler started smashing her head in, was also in the kitchen where they were playing beer pong. And some people noticed this brown, red, you know, dried stains around the computer as they were playing music. And one person actually jokingly said, jokingly said that the house smelled like dead people. They just thought it was like coke or beer that had spilt on the computer and that was on the floor and stuff like that some even started to notice these stains around the house as well as a strange sweaty smell and some suggested that he did kill his parents just like jokingly and then they all just started laughing about it Tyler even went around the party telling people different stories as to where his parents actually were. He told one person that they were in Georgia. He told another person they were in Orlando and another that they had moved out of the house. And lastly, he told someone, quote, they don't live here anymore. This is my house. By around midnight, there was 100 people at the house and it was just getting out of control. When the party started to die down, it was like around 1 a.m., he told several people that he wanted to have fun before he left because he didn't because he, he did something bad and may go away for 60 years. How did none of these kids like, catch on to all this stuff? I mean, I know, you know, well, kids just farting and everything. Yeah. And yeah. They just assume all the stuff. But. I mean, do you really how many people have you met that killed their parents? So you're not going to yeah, really think true. that like that's a true that's thing. True. So. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, you know, teenagers are always like get in trouble or something happens. They're like, oh, my parents suck. And you're like so mad at them. But this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was then that Tyler decides that he wanted to confess what he had done to his best friend, Michael. Tyler took him outside and told him that he had murdered his parents. Michael responded, quote, no, you didn't, Tyler. Shut up. What are you talking about? Tyler responded, quote, Mike. Look at the driveway. All the cars are there. My parents aren't in Orlando. I killed my parents. He even told Michael he looked closely, if he looked closely enough, that he would see the signs. 
As Michael went back into the house, he saw the blood on the computer and even more blood on the master bedroom door. But Michael thought that he was just playing a prank on him. Michael stated that he took Tyler in the garage and said, quote, what's going on here? I want to see them dead. If you really did it, I don't believe you. Oh, that gives me chills. They went to the bedroom door and Michael opened it up to a huge mess. And he looked down and he saw Tyler's father's leg. And that's when it really hit Michael that Tyler was telling the truth. Michael did stay at the party for a couple more hours after learning what his best friend did. And then he took a picture with Tyler stating, quote, I knew it was going to be the last time I ever saw him. Michael ended up leaving the party shortly after and he called Crime Stoppers right away. So I just found actually a clip of two people that called 911. So here are those 911 calls. Good afternoon, Mike. Well, we've been waiting to hear these 911 calls because we knew early on from police that they'd received some calls and that prompted them to go over to the 300 block of Northeast Grandeur Avenue in Port St. Lucie, where the Hadleys live. Now, the first voice you're going to hear is a female caller. The second voice is going to be a male caller who said that he heard from a mutual friend the information and he felt compelled to call. The state attorney's office says it will not divulge the identity of these callers to protect their confidentiality. You can understand that, but have a listen. It's not an emergency, just it kind of is. Just someone had a party tonight and someone reported that this kid had killed their parents. He told me that the kid tied up and he was like, uh, he, he told me, uh, like, he told me that, like, the gist of it, that he did something to his parents, and I was like, bro, I don't want to know any details. He said he already called and reported everything to Crime Stoppers. I was just calling because I felt like I needed to. So it was uh, July 17th after, you know, Michael had called Crime Stoppers, and it was around 4 a.m. that the cops showed up at Tyler's house. They knocked on the door and noticed a figure pacing back and pacing back and forth. But Tyler didn't open the door for a while. But then he finally did. And he was taken into custody and they went in to search the house. As they were walking back up to the house, Tyler pleaded with them to not go inside. But of course, they went inside. <laughs> the officers entered and found the lifeless, lifeless bodies of Blake and Mary Jo in their room, as well as their dog locked in the closet. But he was not harmed. They were both lying face down with towels over their heads. And I've always heard like people doing this because it's more like personal, like they don't want to see their faces. So I, I'm just assuming, I don't know why he did it, but I feel like he just put towels over there. He's like, I don't want to see them. I don't want to see what I just did. So they both had several wounds to their, to, you know, their backs. They had taken Michael in for questioning. And that's when he told investigators everything that Tyler had told him. Tyler was arrested and taken to St. Lucie County Jail. So we're going to talk about the autopsy reports. Blake was described as savagely beaten. His nose was broken at the base. He had suffered multiple abrasions and contusions to his face, fractures from several spots on his skull, which were visible through his skin. The right temporal lobe had multiple lacerations and his brain was floating in blood because it was just so swollen and his legs were broken and each fibula was shattered in pieces. That's so crazy to me that his brain was just floating in his own blood. Sorry, that's really graphic, but um, he had a total of 65 blunt trauma injuries, which included, quote, massive skull fractures. 
Mary Jo was hit so many times on the back of her head that her spine had fractured. Isn't that crazy? She had seven broken ribs, which punctured her left lung. She had 14 wounds across her back and lacerations of all sizes on her face and neck. Her skull was also exposed, and according to the examiner, her skull was, quote, smashed like an egg. So he was angry. During this test, during um, his testimony, his brother's testimony, he stated, quote, I guess that I want, what I want for him is to get the maximum penalty possible, which I understand is life in prison without the possibility of parole. In 2014, Tyler was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, but he was not sentenced to death because of Florida state law and the fact that he was only 17 years old. He did state at the sentencing hearing, quote, not a day goes by, not a single day goes by that I don't think about my parents and my whole family that I've affected by this. I just want everyone to know that I am truly sorry for, you know, the acts I committed. Tyler is in prison at the Okeechobee Correctional Institute and some inmates had nickname for Oh, this is so stupid. I hate when people have nicknames like this. So I'm just including it anyway. Um, such as Ham, Hammer, Hambo, Hadley, Hambo, and, and Bam Bam. December of 2018, he was resentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. And prior to that, in April of 2015, the Hadley house was demolished. So Tyler actually wrote some letters to his grandparents while he was in jail. And I'm just going to read one of them that he wrote. It says, quote, I was just living my life as a normal 17-year-old kid, and next thing I know, I'm in the middle of St. Lucie County Jail. I ruined a lot of people's lives, and I can't seem to forgive myself. I find myself crying a lot because of all the guilt. Every day I beg for forgiveness, and I ask God not to send me to hell. I don't want to go there. Father Michael told me that if I just confess my sins and repent, then God will forgive me for everything. I just can't get rid of all this guilt. It's swallowing me whole. I'm extremely nervous that I'm going to get a life sentence. It's making me pretty depressed. I want to say I'm really sorry for all the grief I've stirred up. I knew everyone, I know everyone thinks I'm a psychopath and all, but I really am sorry for everything. I've been praying every day for forgiveness and for a decent plea offer. I should get one since it's my first offense. I feel extremely bad for Ryan and especially you and my other grandparents for the grief I've caused. I feel like Ryan doesn't love me anymore, but I know he does and it's just going to, and he's just going through a rough time. It's so hard going through this. I'm scared and I feel so alone, unquote. So I'm assuming now reading you know, that um, this is actually before he was sentenced, you know, because he's afraid that he's going to get a life sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's for his first offense. You murdered your parents. <laughs> like you should get life in prison. Like that just blew my, that blows my mind. Michael, Tyler's best friend, stated that this situation has made him realize that you just r- never really know someone and that he would probably have trust, trust issues when meeting people in the future. And here's a here's a clip of Michael doing an interview about this whole situation, Tyler and everything. This firsthand account given by the best friend of Tyler Hadley and News Channel 5's Carolyn Schofield joins us live from Port St. Lucie with the exclusive details of what he saw and heard that night at the Hadley house. Carolyn. Well, Kelly and Michael, while most of the 40 or so people here Saturday night were having a good time, Tyler Hadley shared a dark secret with his best friend. That friend told us that Hadley planned to kill himself if and when police discovered a gruesome crime scene in his parents' bedroom. 
Tyler Hadley and Michael Mandel took this picture Saturday night. It was the last picture Mandel thought he'd ever take with his best friend. Mandel says Hadley had just made an unbelievable confession that he'd killed his parents. After he told me, I didn't believe him because he's been my best friend forever. I would never suspect anything like this. And I was looking around. He told me if I look at enough, I can see signs. I looked on the floor, I could see signs of blood. And that's when I went around back and looked in his parents' bedroom. Hadley went before a judge this morning, facing two counts of second-degree murder. Chief Assistant State Attorney Tom Bacadal says he will seek even tougher charges for the deaths of Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. We, in fact, plan and, and fully anticipate at this point in time, we will take the case to the grand jury and we will seek an indictment for first-degree murder. Tyler Hadley is a few months shy of his 18th birthday, so he is not eligible for the death penalty. He does face life in prison if convicted for murdering his parents. It's something Michael Mandel still can't comprehend, even after seeing it with his own eyes. I saw bloody sheets piled everywhere. I saw broken pictures with blood on them, and I looked down and I saw his dad's leg. Mandel says the two have been friends for years, though Hadley started getting into trouble around the age of 15. He says Hadley complained of arguing with his parents and claimed that rap music and his parents' financial troubles influenced his actions. And Mandel says Hadley took ecstasy on the day of the killings. Mandel wanted one last picture with his longtime friend. After I found his parents, I knew it was going to be the last time I seen him. This is that look on his face. You could see the horror on his, in his face. That's not normal Tyler. So yeah. I can't imagine being Michael, seeing all that and knowing all that and just, you know, yeah, scary. So Tyler's older brother, Ryan, said that his parents were very loving and generous and that he he even went on to write a book called A Thousand Fireflies Living in the Aftermath of My Parents' Murders, which I really want to read. I really want to get that book. So lastly, here's a clip of actually of Tyler talking with a, a, a psychologist after his arrest. We are learning more about the thought process of Tyler Hadley. I really don't like myself too much. Why is that? I don't know, probably because I've, I just I never really did. In August, a state-hired psychologist talked with Hadley for more than three hours. I regret the uh, offenses committed, I mean, obviously. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I regret that, of course. So, I mean, not even just for me, but I mean, shit, everybody else. In 2011, Hadley was 17 years old when he killed his parents, Blake and Mary Jo Hadley, with a hammer in his Port St. Lucie home. He then threw a party while the bodies were still inside the home. Hadley talked about what he did after the murders. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and laughing and just looking at myself. And I remember being like bloody and like had it like just happened. I remember, mm -hmm. I remember doing that. He told the psychologist he has reoccurring dreams about walking in his home at night. I know it's like, in my mind, I'm like, they're dead in the bathroom. And I can feel scared, like I feel extremely frightened where I'm like, I can feel like goosebumps and I'm looking over. I don't ever go to the bathroom though, but I can picture it. Hadley says he regrets not applying himself in school or anything else, and he wishes he would have taken the time to really know his parents. I wish I would have known them more as people instead of just mom and dad, you know, like, I, I, I never really seen them as real people. Because now that I'm around people that are their age, I'm like, damn, you know, maybe I could have, you know, they were probably just like you, you know, I could have talked to them about things. So, yeah, that's the, that's the crazy story of Tyler Hadley and how he murdered his parents. It's so sad and weird and 
Yeah. It just shows you, you know, we're just, you know, as dumb teenagers, you know, that's how we think we're so angry about something. And hearing that last clip, how, you know, he's just like, man, I wish I never did that. And, it's, I think you know, it's more than that. It was more than a dumb teenager. You know, he's got serious issues and problems to that's go that true. far to. Very true. Yeah. But yeah, in that last clip, it's just how he's like, you know, my, my parents were real people. You know, I think as teenagers, sometimes obviously they're real people, which was like, we're all in our own world so much. You don't really think about your parents and what they're doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or at least, I don't know, that's just my opinion. But yeah, it just shows you how he's saying like, man, like I didn't know my parents as real people. Now that I, I know people that are there, that would have been their age. Like that, that's, that's how they were, you know, and he just like totally regretted it. But I don't know. I think he should be in life for the rest of his, you know, in prison. I mean, for the rest of his life. But yeah, it's really sad. It sucks. I hate these stories when somebody does this and kills like a lot of family members. And then there's like this one soul, like Ryan, his brother now, just lost, he lost everyone. Everyone. And it's just so, ugh, it's horrifying. It's so scary. But that's the end of uh, episode eight. Until next time, guys, stay, stay safe and be aware.